Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Gateway Church. Uh, we again this week have an online-only service. We've paused our in-person meetings for a break over the summer period, all the while encouraging people to take the opportunity for less programmed activities. Um, to, we're pausing life groups as well as our Sunday morning meetings to, to do friendship, to spend time with others, to be together after a, a tough 18 months or so. Um, so building on last week and Pete Sloan's uh, looking at a, you know, friendship, a specific friendship in the Bible, this week we have Rachel Bully again looking at some specific examples of friendship in the Bible and what we can learn from these. Good morning. The friendships from the Bible that I'm going to be looking at today are the friendships between Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, Salome and Joanna. And this group of women are the women that we find at Jesus's tomb. These are the ladies that we find in the resurrection story. So as I've been preparing this uh, talk for the summer, um, my Facebook page has continually kept popping up with a, a video that I might like to watch. And it was from a Channel 4 programme that's on at every lunchtime called Steph's Pat Lunch. So I clicked on it and it was all about this lady called Becky and Becky was a food blogger and she was on the show because uh, on her blog she had been asked a question by one of her followers which was what is your social circle like and Becky decided that she would be honest and she would answer it um, fully and she said that she felt at the time really embarrassed by her answer now she realized that's that she didn't need to be embarrassed. But her answer was that she hadn't had a friendship in the entirety of her adult life. So that was for approximately 12 years. And when she said that she put that on her Facebook page, she had sort of expected to get lots of messages back about, oh, I'll be your friend. You seem like a really lovely person. Don't worry about it. Um, why don't you get out there and make some other friends? But I think what had drawn Steph's Pat Lunch attention to Becky's story was that actually most of the comments that Becky received were from people who said, I feel exactly the same way. She said that she had a dog and she had a boyfriend, but there was no one in her life that would ask her, how are you? She said that when she'd been at university, she'd given groups a really good go. Um, she'd gone along to societies and things like that but she's always felt that she'd been on the edge of the circle and she had never been drawn in. So she'd reached the point where she'd got to asking herself the question, what is the point? If no one's gonna include me and no one's gonna miss me, why am I bothering? Now, the thing that really surprised me about that particular Facebook post was that below the video that I watched, there were 564 comments. And most of the comments were all about a similar story someone that didn't have any friends or it was a story about a sister or a wife or a girlfriend who was equally lonely and it got me thinking that as we come out of this period of extended isolation where we've stayed at home for so long and we've kept each other safe how many of us are actually feeling really lonely at this moment in time how many of us are feeling disappointed perhaps really disappointed in our friendships that we thought we had, that were good friendships, but actually people haven't reached out to us in the way that they had hoped, uh, in the way that we had hoped, sorry. Simply maybe people are just feeling alone or maybe feeling like something is lacking or missing. Or maybe, as Becky said herself, I've got my dog, I've got my husband, 
and that's enough. We live in a world where communication has never been easier, but somehow connection has become complicated. God has given us many, many beautiful gifts in this life, and one of them is definitely the gift of friendship. God is our provider and he meets every one of our needs. He wants to provide for us through someone else. He wants to provide for us through the gift of friendship. So let's turn to Luke 23 verse 55 and look at the lessons of friendship we can learn from this group of ladies. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, Suddenly, two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told them to the apostles. Sorry, who told this to the apostles. So my first point is this. Their friendship was based on the right thing. Now, the story of the women at the tomb is included in all four gospel accounts. However, in each gospel account, there is a different group of women or a woman on her own. But if you combine these four gospel accounts, you end up with a group of women that are made up of Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James and Salome. And all four gospels give us details about them. Luke 23 verse 55 says, the women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. We learn here that the women had come from Galilee, yet the resurrection, as we know, took place in Jerusalem. So I decided to uh, enter into Google Maps the distance from Jerusalem to Galilee and how long it would take you to get to Jerusalem from Galilee if you went by foot. And it came back with, it would take you a day and 12 hours to walk that distance without a stop. So depending on your fitness level and your ability, and to be quite honest, I'm not entirely sure of the terrain from Jerusalem to Galilee, I reckon it would probably take you between three and five days to make that journey. So this tells us that this group of women were serious followers of Jesus. If they're prepared to make that journey, to travel for up to five days, just to hear him speak in Jerusalem, they are very serious about Jesus. And it is this that has brought this group of women together. Now, I love how God works because often when I'm preparing a sermon, something will happen and it's just so timely. And I think that always blows my mind. But last week, uh, my children were all in isolation and we spent an awful lot of time together uh, talking about 
ridiculous things. But one of the, not the ridiculous, this wasn't ridiculous, but one of the questions that they asked me last week was, who is your best friend? And I said to them straight away, without hesitation, it's your dad, uh, because he is definitely my best friend. But they told me that that was a cop-out. And they said, you need to tell us who your real best friend is. So I threw it back to them and I said, well, who do you think is my best friend? I have three daughters and I found it fascinating that each of them said some different people. One of them said my friends, Ellie and Christine. They are my friends from work. One of them said um, a group of school friends. Um, that I've known since I was a teenager, that I still get together with regularly. And another daughter said some ladies from church, which was wonderful. But it made me think, why do my daughters think that I've got a different best friend? And it made me realise that actually these friendships have been formed from different stages in life, as well as having a different thing in common. But it has brought us together to form really good friendships. Now, these friendships, all five of these friendships that we talked about are really great friendships, friendships that I value. But three-fifths of those friendships are not going to help me in my own faith journey. They are great women. They are great friends. They are hilarious. They have big hearts. All of them are kind. All of them are generous. All of them are wonderful. Yet, to grow in my relationship with God... And for us to grow in our relationship with God, we need to be connecting with like-minded people. Because when a crisis comes, we need to make sure that we are surrounded by people that will help us find the answers from the right sources. So my second point is this. Their friendship was formed before their crisis. These women didn't just meet on the journey from Galilee to Jerusalem. They had been together for a while. And we first meet them in Luke chapter 8, verse 1. It says, After this, Jesus travelled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out, Joanna, the wife of Cusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. In this section, we learn that Jesus had brought them together because he had healed them. He had delivered them from diseases and he had healed them from um, demons. This is what they had in common. Jesus had healed them. And that is what we have in common with these ladies too. In this section of the Bible, they are really busy supporting Jesus's ministry. And it also says that they're using their own means. But they were together. They were doing life together and they were following Jesus together as this special group of women. However, at this point in the story, they have no idea of what is to come in Luke 23. They're just getting on with the work at hand. They're there supporting him. They're providing for him and the apostles. They're watching Jesus preach. They're seeing his healings. They're seeing um, miracles. They are just moving from town to town, supporting his ministry. But just to reiterate yet again, they're doing all of this together. So in Luke 23, when we catch up with their story again, they are on a trip 
from Galilee to Jerusalem that has got very dark and has taken a horrific turn. Jesus is dead. Their saviour has been crucified. They are a long way from home. They are heartbroken. They are devastated and probably fearing for their own lives. For if they've crucified Jesus, they're probably going to come for Jesus's followers next. Yet they are still together. And I just want to read again a little section of Luke 23. Okay. The women... Sorry, my eyesight is dreadful. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They stayed together because they had been together throughout. Now, quite a few years ago, myself and Nathan went through a really awful time, a really heartbreaking time, a devastating time. And in the week that um, it all went wrong, my mum and dad swanned off on a three and a half week long Caribbean cruise, which also took them away um, over Christmas and New Year. And my mum uh, phoned me from the airport before they set off. And I don't know um, if there's anyone else that this happens to, but I find in the midst of a crisis, if I hear my mum's voice, without a doubt, I will burst into tears. So as my mum was at Heathrow and I was on the phone on a very cold December evening in York, I cried. And I cried and I said, I'll be fine. You don't need to worry about me. You really don't need to worry about me. I'm going to be fine. Have a lovely time. And I cried and my mum said, have a good cry. And she let me have a good cry. I'm starting to waffle now, aren't I? Sorry. But, so, but she left me with a sentence that I clung on to while she was away. And it was this. She said, surround yourself with people that you love and people that love you. And I don't really remember much apart from the ugly crying on the phone. But I clung on to that sentence. And despite my heart aching, despite feeling anxious about what was to come, I did what my mum had advised me to do. I surrounded myself with people that loved me. And those people that I turned to were people from Gateway. And those people came up trumps in the midst of our crisis. They showed us love. They showed us unconditional love. And they showed it through praying for us, through sharing the Bible with us, by practically showing us um, how much we were loved and how much we were cared for. We were invited to people's houses for mulled wine and mince pies. We went to someone's house for New Year's Eve shenanigans. And we got through that time, that Christmas and New Year holiday. Um, we got through it. But I believe we got through it because we got through it with other people. We did it together. It wasn't like what we've just endured. We didn't stay at home and keep on keeping on. We got through it through the friendship of other people. But these trusted friendships that I'm referring to now were not friendships that were made a fortnight before our crisis. These were friendships that had been formed many, many years before. One of the friendships was a friendship that was formed in a life group where week on week on week, we had shared the Bible together. We'd been honest about what we were going through in our lives. We had prayed together and we had had good fun together as well. So I knew that that was a person that I could turn to in my time of need. 
And the other person that I turned to was a person that I had spent many years in the willow room with our children growing up in creche. And I, I can be really honest, there were years where I sat in that room feeling quite, well, grumpy. I'd like to say that every year, every day in a, the, every Sunday in the Willow Room, we, we, we built each other up, we shared the Bible and we prayed for each other. But actually we did do quite a bit of moaning as well because we were so frustrated with being in that room. And I remember in those years thinking, what's the point of me coming to church? Because all I do is sit in this room with my child. But I can stand here and say, I now know what the point was of standing, sitting in that room with my child for all of those years. Not just because it helped my child feel safe and welcomed into this church family, but it's because I made that friendship. And over the years, that friendship, when I had a crisis, I knew that person was the person who I could turn to. A rallying group of faithful and trusted friends is a beautiful thing to behold. And that is what we see in these verses in Luke. We see a rallying group of women who, despite their grieving and devastation at the loss of their saviour, are there because there's a job that needs to be done, because their saviour needs a proper burial. They've already followed Joseph to the tomb. They already know how to get there. They already know how his body is laid out. They go home. On the Friday, they prepare spices and perfumes ready to bury him on the Sunday because they know that they have to rest on the Saturday as part of the Sabbath. And at the earliest opportunity, they get up, they go back to the tomb because they know the location and they start to give, or at least they start to try to give Jesus a proper burial. But the thing is, it's not one woman doing it on their, on their own. It's a group of women doing it together. And when they're doing it together, look what happens. And I'm going to turn back to Luke 24. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the leaven and to all the others. They were a group of friends doing something together. In that moment at the tomb, they weren't a group of women reading their Bibles. They weren't a group of women praying. They were just getting on with the job at hand. And I believe that because it was that group of women, and I know that there, will be, I know that there are other reasons for it, but it was that group of women who that angel appeared to. It was them who were the first people to see and hear of the resurrection. And it was them that went and told the apostles all about what they had seen and heard. If they hadn't been friends, then maybe they wouldn't have been at the tomb. And if they wouldn't, hadn't been together at the tomb, then God probably, well, definitely wouldn't have used them if they weren't there. But they were, and God did. So my third point is this, God used their friendship. Now, 
I know that what I'm about to say might be highly speculative, but in verse eight, it says, then they remembered his words. Now, this is a pre-record. So today I have actually been at work and I've been having a planning day for school in September and I've been doing it with a new lady and my job share. And in this meeting today, we have spent ages trying to remember myself and my job share, what we did in September last year. And the conversation has been, well, I think it was that. No, don't you remember this? No, I'm sure we did this. And as a group of women, we have bounced ideas off each other and tried to remember. So, I would like to speculate that perhaps when the angel said to them, do you not remember his words, that maybe Mary Magdalene got it straight away, remembered it without flaw. However, maybe Joanna wasn't quite remembering it, but it was Salome that got alongside her and said, oh, come on, Joanna, you do. Because remember, he said it when we were here and when we did this, okay? Because I think together they were able to remember what Jesus had told them. And I speculate this because how many friend, how many times has a friend said to you, don't you remember when? Don't you remember when God did that in your life? Don't you remember when God came through for you in that situation? Don't you remember what the Bible says about this circumstance? Because God can use a friend to speak to you. Whether that be through an encouragement whether that be through a wise word. He can also use a friend to provide for us. It could be resources or a meal. He can help you lift your, friends can help you lift your spirits and they can always be a listening ear. Friendship is a gift from God and we are stronger together. So to conclude, I have a few questions for you to ponder over this summer period. As we're thinking about friendships in this series, in this series, sorry, where do you find yourself? Are you maybe feeling like Becky at the start in my original story? Are you feeling lonely and isolated? Are you feeling disillusioned and maybe a bit let down by your friends through lockdown? If so, let this summer be the start of being together with other people. The risk of being hurt again is worth the reward of gaining a true friendship. Or perhaps someone in your friendship group is in a crisis. How could God use you in their circumstance? Or finally, who are you surrounding yourself with? Do you need to maybe include people that will help you in your faith journey? Thank you.